0: Father in heaven, today we're, we're thankful that you are our Father and that you're speaking with us through the agency of the Spirit from heaven because we desperately need a voice from above. There are so many voices all around and there are so many differing opinions, but what we need is a clear word from you. And uh, I don't presume to be able to bring that but I ask that in spite of me and perhaps through me you can speak individually to individuals here we come with different questions we come with different concerns we come with hopes we come with fears but you have uh, you have the answer to everything and you know even the questions we should be asking this week this weekend and you know the answers um, you've given us freedom of choice and, um, you long for us to be in the center of your will. I pray that this, uh, this weekend that's talking about your mind would being in us would be a weekend where we truly can have your mind in us. And I thank you and ask that you would just attend the preaching of your word in Christ's name. Amen. Really appreciate the theme um, that has been chosen by the Western Youth Conference this year. Let this mind be in you, and I really appreciate the theme song. Uh, as a matter of fact, last night as I was frequenting the night seasons because I do that, I have a new born at home that is now almost one month old. His name is Sabatismos. Well actually James Madison Sabatismos, but he's not living up to that last part of his name, rest, Sabatismos. He hasn't figured that out yet. So uh, he has no rest day or night (laughs) at this point. But as I was there and I was looking, I was listening to different songs and figuring out what it was that I I thought would be a good hymn for the weekend, I actually found this song on the internet, and I listened to it and then I copied and pasted the lyrics and I was going to mention it to some of the coordinators. And then, how many of you have ever had your computer shut down and you lost a document? Um, Maybe that only happens with Macintosh computers. All my computers, regardless of what brand they are, are Macintosh computers. But anyway, the... um, (laughs) It shut down, and I lost it. And I said, "Now nah, I can't find it." And then tonight, when you sang the song, I was so overjoyed that uh, that you had chosen that song. And every word is meaningful in that anthem. So thank you to whoever uh, whoever chose that that song. Well, you know, let this mind be in you, from the Book of Philippians. Turn with me now in the Book of Philippians, and I want to. I WANT TO JUST ASK THE LORD TO OVERWHELM ME BECAUSE uh, THERE ARE uh, A LOT OF THOUGHTS THAT I'VE HAD, I HAVE SOME THINGS WRITTEN DOWN, BUT I'M JUST ASKING HIM, LORD, SPEAK TO US BECAUSE uh, WHAT I'VE WRITTEN DOWN, YOU KNOW, I LOOK AT IT AND I GO, that's, THAT'S NOT QUITE IT, BUT I DON'T KNOW WHAT THE LORD HAS IN STORE. SO I WANTED TO START OUT BY SAYING THE BOOK OF Philippians BASICALLY HAS A CONTROVERSY BETWEEN TWO TYPES OF MIND. LET ME SHOW YOU THE FIRST KIND OF MIND. The first kind of mind that we find is in chapter 3 and it is in verse 18 many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ so there is this mindset that's an enemy of the cross of Christ and what was the cross of Christ What did Christ say when He was going there, when He was drinking the cup? Not my will, but thy will be done. That's the mind of Christ. Not my will, but thy will, Father, be done. Is that a good definition of the mind of Christ? Not what I want, humanly speaking, but what you want, heavenly speaking. Right? That's the picture. And he says, with weeping, there are enemies of this mindset. And how do they act? Verse 19, whose end is destruction. This is why he's weeping. He says, he's not willing that any should perish. Oh, no. They have the wrong mindset. Whose end is destruction. Whose God is their, what? Belly. And whose glory is their shame. Who set their mind on... What does it say earthly things so it's a mindset that's looking at earthly things not heavenly things and it's played out in indulgence indulgence of the stomach they their God is their belly which means when you see them probably their belly arrives first at the scene (laughs) it's the and and I don't say that I'm not trying to be funny but they have been unable to control that appetite well, this is not some uh, hormonal issue or whatnot that he's talking about here. It's someone that says, I'm making a conscious decision to overindulge in that area of life. And then every area of life, and they may even may even make glory in it. They say, look, <laughs> um, I'm glad I do this, right? And um, so that's the one mindset. There are things on earth. But then there's the other mindset, verse 20. Well, our citizenship, however, is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, in other words, we're not looking at earth, we're looking at heaven. The book of Collisions, or Colossians, some people pronounce it, which is talking about how people get at each other, it has this that it says in Colossians 3 Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth, for you die. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. So, and the reason I call it collisions, uh, kind of uh, just to get your attention, is because then it goes through husbands fighting with wives and children being estranged from parents. And in other words, where there's not a meeting of mind in relationship. How many of you here know someone who is going through a divorce? How many of you here are from a home that uh, you suffered a divorce? And there wasn't a meeting of the minds. How many of you wish that there had been a meeting of minds? That there had been a unity of minds? Right? So, there are these conflicts. How many of you know someone, maybe not yourself, but maybe uh, it's always good to think third person, that's not getting along with their parents? No one here. Not so many. Wow, amazing. Praise the Lord. (laughs) how many of you know what lying is? Okay. (laughs) Right. So, there's that this this meeting of the minds, you know? And so, there's this controversy in the book of Philippians of the the mind of, of earthliness and indulgence and sensuality and the mind of Christ. Not my will, but thy will be done. Look, I don't stand up here because I'm not familiar with the struggle. I just had I didn't have, but as close as I can get. I just had a child, right? my wife and I. And you know, when you have a child, you get really tired, and your frontal lobe because it's deprived of melatonin and everything else, it's just deprived. You can, you can um, experience feelings and emotions that are not to be acted upon. Right? And so I, I, I'm on the front lines of this mental struggle we go through of, wait, I feel, I feel tired, but I better get up because little Micro Mac needs an upgrade. You know what I mean? So I, I, feel, I, I, feel, I, I, I feel like I have given enough so I'm going to act as though I'm not awake so my wife gets up. Oh. Oh, I hope my wife doesn't see this. So, because and, and am I going to resist that or not? I come in, I see the dishes, they're not done. Am I going to do them? What am I going to have? The mind of Christ or the mind of the earth, the heavenly mindset of the earthly? Now, This is my prayer for my ministry. This is my prayer for your ministry. And that is that we all would be more unselfish. Because the mind of Christ is selflessness. And the mind of humanity is selfishness. And I am all too familiar with it. And I struggle with it. And I want to have more of the mind of Christ. Amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4 is the key verse. Now it's not verse 5, it's verse 4. Verse 5 is a summary of what is taught in verse 4. I'm glad that these people that picked the theme were close to the right verse. <laughs> Because this defines verse five. I'm not against verse five. I support it fully, but verse four, in verse four there's much more. I mean that doesn't sound right, but you understand what I mean. It, it, let each of you look not on, look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests. Of others we essentially don't do that many times people ask you what are you going to do with your life where are you going to go to school how did you do on the test how is this going in your life I'm sorry but that's not the big picture we're concerned about you but kicking it up a notch so to speak is saying what about you what about the interest of others Yes or no? Yes. We're pretty egocentric. Literally that says let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but the interest above that word interest is not in the original. The original word there for interest is things. Let each of you look not only for his own out only for his own things. His own goals, his own happiness, his own self interest, his own academic success, his own whatever it is. Don't just look out for that, but look out for others. Did you come to this conference for you or for someone else? You see what I mean? Maybe you don't. Every man but every man also for the interest, for the things of others. Jesus would say it this way, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Yes or no? That's really what it is. How many of you have met people that are like this? They're more interested in what is happening with you than telling you all about what's happening with them. Have you ever called someone on the phone? And you get on the phone, you're listening to them, and pretty soon you realize the conversation's over and they just were talking about themselves. I mean yeah. you ever had this situation. Oh, I remember I called this one man and I called him up and I talked and I talked and I talked and he goes and at the end he goes, Well, thank you so much. Wait a minute. Did you call me? <laughs> you have a question for me? And I was like, No, you answered my question. You're not really interested. Goodbye. You know, I didn't say it that way. but. So, the key to verse 4, of course, is not verse 5. I'm sorry. It's verse 3. Look back at verse 3. Let nothing be done from selfish ambition. There's that word. From selfish ambition or from vain rivalry. In other words, I want to be better than everyone else on the test or this or that. Vain rivalry or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than himself." But you say, wait a minute, how can I, how can I say someone's better than I am when I, when I am better than they are? I mean, we just went out there and we just ran the 100-yard dash and I beat them by 50 yards. I'm better than they are. And look at me! My grades are so much higher because I'm going to this school. I've been accepted to Weimar. Look at this. (laughs) Ten times I can run faster. I can lift more weights. I have better grades. I am. So how can I say this? I mean, it's. I'd be lying. But that's not the point of the text. That's not the point of the text. The point is not what others are in this text. It's what you esteem them to be. It's what you count them to be. It's what you reckon them to be. Don't count them. How do you count them? Do you count them, even though you beat them in the rest, do you count them as as worthy? Do you take an interest in them? I'M SO GLAD THAT CHRIST LOOKS AT US AND and DOESN'T COUNT us AS WE ARE, BUT AS HE THINKS WE CAN BE. HE CALLS THOSE THINGS WHICH ARE NOT AS THOUGH THEY ARE. I'M THANKFUL FOR THAT. HE ESTEEMS US BETTER THAN WE ARE, AND THAT'S THE POINT. HE DIDN'T COME DOWN HERE BECAUSE HE SAID, OH, LET'S GO AND I'LL GO DOWN THERE AND BEAT THE HUMAN RACE AT THE RACE OF HUMANITY. NO, BECAUSE HE WANTED TO SAVE US. He esteemed us worthwhile. Man. And Paul was like this. He's saying things like, He that began a good work in you, he's going to complete it. Oh, Philippians. <laughs> he doesn't say, oh, you're down. He does kind of correct, you know, these two sisters that are not getting along. He says, come on, please be of the same mind. Rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> not just when it's convenient. <laughs> But he's saying, I believe your names can be written in heaven. I believe that he who began a good work wants to complete it. Yes or no? So this mindset then is the great opposite of the entitlement, the indulgent, the earthly mindset. You know what that mindset is. Ask yourself the question. Do you walk through life saying, you owe me this? If things don't work out, I'm going to be mad. And I have every reason to be mad. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> have you ever met someone like this? Amen. This is, well, some of you are nodding, hopefully not nodding enough. but this is, this is the struggle of life. Yes or no? Yes. Now, who in the world could ever be like this? Well, I think one example is Paul. He said, everything I did is rubbish. <laughs> Doesn't amount to anything to what I learned about Christ. He began to esteem himself more lowly in lowliness of mind, right? That Christ is more excellent. But not only Christ, I mean, how many think it's pretty easy to esteem Christ more excellent than yourself? <laughs> oh, that was hard. <laughs> no, that's not the issue. He even says in Romans 1.14, I am a debtor to the Greeks. And to the barbarians, what's wrong with Paul? I'm a debtor to barbarians? Oh, thank God for the barbarians. Both to the wise and the unwise. In other words, he's saying, I'm esteeming them even, they've taught me things I never would have learned. He finds a value in them. He says, I owe nobody. I owe everybody, is basically what he's saying to me. Nobody owes me. How many want to have that mindset? Where does it come from? It's from God. It's the wisdom from above. Now, you know, have you heard of the, there's a discussion going on in the world back since about 1844, which is this idea of naturalism, that the body and the mind is predetermined, that you just evolved, and you really have no freedom of choice. You know, the pure determinists, the, few, the pure evolutionary biologists, they will teach that nothing you ever do, is something you did it's not freedom of choice you don't have freedom of choice they'll say you? that's the dogman that's out there you don't have, there's a book out I just was uh, skimming which is called the illusion of freedom of will just came out from Harvard now you know I got my little baby there and I kind of know where they come up with I mean the guy is a bundle of reflexes you know everything he does I touch this I touch over here <laughs> everything he does Now, my wife does not believe its reflexes. My wife believes he's brilliant. Look what he did. He raised his hand. (laughs) I'm like, honey, you know. But my wife calls those things which are not as though they are. He's smiling. I'm saying, it's gas. (laughs) Now, there are some aspects of this. This is true, right? There are those reflexes and different things. But now there's this huge controversy within neuroscientific circles, and I don't pretend to be a neuroscientist or even play one on TV or at the Weimar Convocation here, but (laughs) there's this huge struggle that's going on because, and the amazing thing is that now freedom of will is beginning to be looked at again and they're saying, wait a minute, the brain can change, the mind can change. Um, And they've done studies. Well, let me give you one example. They did some studies on some monkeys. <laughs> How many of you like monkeys? How many of you are glad you're not a monkey? <laughs> yeah, you better be glad or I might study you. So, they took these monkeys, <laughs> took these monkeys, for instance, and they, uh, they put a, they had this substance in a jar that had a little tube, and it was basically grape juice. They call it black currant I think that would be like grape juice. And then when the green light came on, or blue light rather, a blue light came on, the good old Pavlovian conditioning, that blue light came on and they sucked on that tube, they'd get a little bit of grape juice, mmm, they loved it. And they did this like a thousand times to put that neural pathway in the brain. <laughs> and then, being the terrible maniacal scientists that they were, they changed what was in the tube to salt brine and the blue light came on on a monkey unsuspecting monkey whose neural pathways had all been deep wired by repetitive movements and by the way this is why Philippians says What's over things are pure, what's over things are, all that stuff, meditate on these things. Basically, Philippians is saying there are neural pathways that come when you meditate on these things, right? Those poor monkeys had been meditating on the black current related to the blue light, special, not Kmart, but you know what I mean, and they changed it. And when they sucked on that tube, all the mo- monkey got salt brine. And the monkeys just went bonkers. They went crazy. And they had, the, they, of course, these were research monkeys, and so they were all hooked up, electrodes to all their brain. How many of you are glad you're not a monkey? And <laughs> what happened was, now I might get this wrong, but it's the occipital frontal cortex of the brain. Am I right, Dr. Nelson? I mean, yes. yeah. And that occipital frontal cortex just went, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Oh, it was just like, boom. And that the researchers said, oh, that's the part of the brain that must light up when you think something has gone wrong in your life. So, there's an area in your brain that will light up when something you think goes wrong. It's that occipital frontal cortex. When you make your mom and dad mad you say, oh, you disappointed me. They're weeping. Guess what's happening? Occipital frontal cortex is going, <laughs> and vice versa. So, then the question was, would these terribly damaged monkeys ever be able to change their mind? Well, the monkeys figured it out after a thousand more repetitions that they were only going to get this green stuff. but From that blue light, they're only going to get salt brine now. But then there was a green light that came on, and they had another tube where they could get the grape juice again. And guess what happened? their mind adjusted it changed and they were able to choose the green light that gave them the grape juice now the researchers saw this this one particular researcher who i was reading from his name is jeffrey schwartz the mind and the brain neuroplasticity and the power of mental force he said wait a minute this is gonna help me as I'm dealing with these obsessive compulsive disorder patients I have these are the people that check the door 500 times even though it's locked they wash their hands this and that and they have these compulsions and they just do it and they do it and they do it and they know it's wrong but they keep doing it they do and he goes how am I gonna help these people and when he saw that those monkeys could change he said wait a minute if the monkeys can change maybe they can change and they figured out that there were aspects of the frontal lobe that were not affected and what they needed to do was to help these patients do four things. Number one, I think I wrote it down so I won't forget it. But I put it on the sheet where I can't find it. <laughs> Relabel what's happening. In other words, he said to the patients it, he would show them all the, the 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 pet scans and the scans and say, "What's happening right now is your orbital frontal cortex is firing, but That's not supposed to be doing that like that, so in other words, relabeling it. It's a malfunction in my brain, and then reattributing it. That was the second thing. Help them reattribute it. Well, what's happening? And then he would explain the neuroanatomy. This is what's happening. And then came the third most vital point. He said to the patients, you must refocus. That takes choice. You must decide. You're not going to focus on all those things. Wow. But you're going to focus on something else. And guess what? They could do it. It was still happening. Those thoughts were still coming. Those thoughts of saying, I need to wash my hands. I must alphabetize all the cans in, in the cupboard. I must. But as they refocused, they were able to resist those thoughts. And then the last point he said, I had to teach them how to revalue. Revalue. What's that mean? And he says to revalue means to reorder reality on the basis of truth. I read that. I said, that's exactly what we need to have the mind of Christ. That's what happens here in Philippians. How many of you would follow the logic of that? How many think that's true? Look, we need to say, we need to reattribute. Look, Peter was talking to Jesus one day, and Jesus said. Who do men say that I am? Remember that conversation? And finally it comes down to Peter and he said, Who do you say that I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what did Jesus say? Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. In other words, he's saying, Peter, that's a thought from heaven. Hallelujah. And he like gives them some mental, verbal strokes of appreciation. <laughs> it's a thought. heaven. But then like several verses later, he says to Peter and the apostles, I'm going to die on the cross, basically. And what's Peter say? Forbid it, Lord. And what does Jesus say then? Get thee behind me, Satan, thought from hell. And in our minds there are thoughts that come from heaven, and there are thoughts that come from hell. There are thoughts that come from the mind of Christ, and there are thoughts that come from the mind of the Antichrist, and at the end of time, it says in Revelation chapter 17, that they'll all be of one mind, and they'll follow the beast, but there'll be this small group that set their mind on things above, and they'll stand against all of those delusionary, obsessive, compulsive, disordered thoughts. How many of you will be on this side? And so, the book of Philippians then gives four examples of this. You say, who can do this? Who can do this? Who can have the mind of Christ? And Paul says, let let me show you who can do this. And he has four elegant examples. I must show them to you rapidly before they come and take me away. Here are the four examples. The examples in this book are Jesus, Paul, Timothy, and Aphrodite. They're the ones that play out this verse 4. What was verse 4, chapter 2? Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. Example number 1. He starts with a strong example and it's Christ. Verse 5 through 8. He, though equal with the Father, Though he was equal with him in mind and in every powerful way, instead, what does he do? He lays down his entitlements. He humbles himself. He does not, he has lowliness of mind, because he wants to reach us. He gets no earthly payback, and he takes seven steps down. He was in the form of God. He was equal to God, step number one. But he made himself, it says next, of what? Of no reputation. That is, he emptied himself, literally, of his privileges. How many are thankful that he did that? Taking the form of a servant. Not just a servant, there is a slave. So, he came and he says, I'll wash your feet. I'll heal you. I'll work day and night. Even though I am the king of the universe, I'll slave. I'll spend and be spent to reach you. Wow. How many are thankful for that? I'll come in the likeness of man, it says. Think about that. It's like you want to reach the fish in your aquarium, and so you become a fish. Wow. And then he humbled himself even after that to be obedient to death, but not just any death. The death on the cross, which was the most horrific, reputation-busting death you could have because people would look and say, oh, look at that criminal. This is the mind of Christ. So that's example number one. How many think that's a good example? Yes. Example number two. Example number two is Paul. Look what he says in verse 17 and 18 of chapter two. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice, I'm being poured out. I'm going to be poured out. In other words, I'm going to die. I'm going to sacrifice. Notice what he says. And what for? On the sacrifice and service of my faith. Is that what it says? No. No, it says, of your faith. I am glad and I rejoice with you all. Can you see the service there? Not esteeming myself better than others, but others better than myself. In other words, I'm going to die not for my faith Not so I can have a place in heaven I'm going to be sacrificed so you might be able to have a place in heaven how many think sometimes much of Christianity is selfishness and I tell you what it can be selfish it can be so selfish you can be such a selfish person you can be a preacher who's very selfish I know all about this and we need to have the mind of Christ I'M BEING POURED OUT, HE SAYS, the DRINK, OFFERING AS A SERVICE OF YOUR FAITH. I'M GLAD, I REJOICE THAT I'M GOING THROUGH THE SUFFERING ON YOUR BEHALF. YOU, you REMEMBER, PAUL. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four 24, For the Jews I was beaten five times and received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked at night. And a day I've been in the deep and journeys office and in perils and waters, and perils and robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, in perils of false brethren. In weariness and and toil and sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst and fastings, often in cold and nakedness. I was reading this last night when I was lamenting the fact I'm walking around the house. I'm going, this is nothing, man. I got a house, I got clothes on, and I'm walking around with a bundle of love. Sabbatismos He hasn't mean learned the meaning of rest yet, but that's my job, you know. And and, and Paul was happy to do it. He says, this is what I want to be. This is what I live for. I live to die for you. So, he was impressed with one thing. What is it? Let each of you look out not for his own interest, but for the interest of others. Paul had the mind of Christ. He said, forget my education. Forget my position. Forget the fact that I can speak all these languages. It has nothing to do except as it relates to serving you and for your salvation. Paul loved the church, just as Christ loved the church. And Paul died for the church. He was always praying for people. Look at verse 24, verse chapter 1. Powerful. He goes, look, for me to live, verse 21, is Christ. And to die, and he means to die on your behalf is gain, verse 24. Nevertheless, he says, look, maybe sometimes I feel like I want to die. Sometimes I want to feel like the next thing I want to see is Jesus' face. But no, I don't do that, verse 24. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is most needful for you. For you being confident of this I know I shall remain and I want to continue with you all why not for my progress not so that I can be saved not so that when I get there I can say look at all the stars in my crown oh no but it says being confident of this I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith <laughs> You are my crown of rejoicing, he'd say in Thessalonians. That's why I'm alive. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've met people like this. The closest for me was probably my grandfather. Every day he'd wake up, he say, I don't know why I'm still alive. Then he'd look at me and he'd say, it must be for you. It must be for you. What can I do for you today? How can I serve you today? My brother's doing drugs, living in the house doing all these things, stealing stuff. Grandfather would get up. I'd tell him, Grandfather, this is what's happening. He'd say, we need to be like Christ on the cross so he'll be converted. I need to have more of that mind. Do you need to have more of that mind? Amen. So, example number one was Christ. Example number two was who? Paul. And Example number three, close to home, a young man. It's Timothy. Timothy's a young man. Chapter 2, verse 19. This is G R W Y C, right? This is for young people. But I trust, verse 19 says, in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly. He says, Look, I want to send Timothy to you guys. Why? That I also may be encouraged when I know your state. He's thinking about their state. He's sending Timothy his closest confidant and friend the one that helps him the most it's like saying okay this is my closest most most uh, most useful person the one that ministers to me the most but I want to send him to you for I have no one like-minded what's it mean he had the mind of Christ. Did Paul have the mind of Christ? There was no one like-minded with him that would, it says, verse 20, that would sincerely care for your state. In other words, I don't know anybody except Timothy who's going to take care of you. I don't know anybody. And I know he'd take care of you because he'd been taking care of me, but I want you to be taken care of, not me. So, he sends Timothy. Verse 21 says, for they all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But not Timothy. He doesn't seek his own. He seeks the things which are of Christ Jesus. How many of you want to be WIC folks? How many want to be like Timothy? I can send them. I can send them somewhere because they're not going to seek their own. They're going to be doing something for someone else. They're going to be spending and spent for the master's cause. I can trust them. That's what Weimar College is supposed to be about. That's why we want to start a school here that have people like that. Oh, how humbling it is to even say that. A school where spring breaks are not for you and the beach, but to reach lost people. Amen? Amen? I think we need more Timothys. Paul says, I don't know anybody who wants to be a sacrificial service like Timothy, but Timothy is the guy and I'll send him to you. He's a young person who will really care. Last example. What was the first example? Jesus. Jesus. What's the second example? What was the third example? And now, I don't know if I'm going to say it right, but ap-proditus, See me after if I said that wrong, or our excellent English teacher here, Cosman, he will minister to you. Philippians <laughs> chapter 2. <laughs> and verse 25. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Aphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, but your messenger, and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed. Because you heard that he was sick wait a minute wait a minute does this sound like a typical prayer meeting testimony I'm sending it to you he was ministering to me but he's very upset because you heard that he was sick does this sound normal usually when you're at prayer meeting or being a pastor for years you go to someone's house nobody cares about me at the church nobody came and i was sick nobody this nobody how many of you have ever heard this (laughs) poor pitiful me but not aproditus he's freaking out the opposite way because he doesn't have his mind set on things on earth things on heaven and he's going oh no they found out i was sick (laughs) they're going to worry that means they're going to spend more energy doing things that are Wasting their energy and not advancing God's cause they they heard that I was sick and so they're going to use Stationery and paper and all that kind of stuff to minister to me no They need to be reaching other people I mean we don't hear much about Aphrodite's but how many think we need to hear more about Aphrodite Wow Notice it goes verse 27 for indeed he was sick almost unto death but God had mercy on him and not only him but on me also lest I should have sorrow on sorrow this guy almost died for the cause right sick to death therefore I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such men in esteem what kind of people in esteem those that care so much about others that even when they die when they're dying they they are thinking about others right hold such men in esteem why because they have the mind of Christ because verse 30 for the work of Christ he came close to death not regarding his life notice what it says look at it look at it look at it with your own little beady eyeballs look at it not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service towards me do you catch that words not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service towards me so here he is on his deathbed And all he's worried about is making sure that God's service goes forward. You know what that reminds me of? Reminds me of the early Advent pioneers. If you ever want, if you if you ever get in those doldrums, young people, and you say, oh, poor pitiful me. I want you to pull out early writings the book early writings, and just read the first couple chapters. I do that. Or maybe you'll come back and read Philippians again. So, I come back to verse 4 as I close. What's the mind of Christ? It's that mind that's focused on heavenly things, not on earthly things. And how do we know what it is? Definition verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. Yeah. Say it to you parents. That's the beautiful thing about being a parent. It teaches you how selfish you are. <laughs> and it forces you to look out for the interests of others. I say it to you husbands. Husbands. God says it to me a husband I say it to you wives say it to you young people the world has revolved around you till now all the resources of your family have been spent and other people maybe have sent you here because they want you to succeed but you go and do likewise it's not about you only it's about others I don't say this to make you feel guilty. I see that you're here, and I want to end how Paul ended. He's talking to the Philippians, and he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, chapter 4, verse 10, that the last year care for me has flourished again. You surely did care, though you lacked opportunity. Now, not that he needs it, he says, I speak in regard not to the need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and how to abound everywhere in all things I've learned both to be full and hungry, to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, he says to them, you've done well that you shared in my distress. In other words, you're starting to get the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus let's pray together father in heaven thank you for visiting us tonight spite of ourselves Lord change our hearts change our minds thank you for the hope in this chapter that minds can be changed if you could change Paul who murdered people and then make him the author of the New Testament you can change our hearts But we have to let your mind be in us tonight as every head is bowed and as we begin this week are there those here that desire to exercise that freedom of choice that word let and say Lord I want to have the mind of Christ would you raise your hand Lord you've seen those hands and the That's a decision. Magnify it, make it real. Give us opportunities this week to serve, not just ourselves, but to serve others. In Christ's name we pray, amen. This media was brought to you by AudioVerse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about AudioVerse,